Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our health care system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Health Care, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our health care system as it exists and as it could be. For better health care and a better health care system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Health Care on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. In our program, we've spoken to many people in various aspects of our healthcare system who are absolutely devoted to giving patients the best possible medical care. And yet, we still have tremendous problems with healthcare in the United States. And part of the problem is the system. While there may be individual components working to give patients great care, the overall system seems to have issues. Well, today we speak with Harold Miller, Executive Director of the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform, an organization that's devoted to trying to correct the system-level problems that we have. Harold, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm a practicing dermatologist myself, and, you know, I see patients, and every day I'm thinking, how can I give this patient the best possible medical care? But that level of of working to improve medical care only goes so far. Uh, I think the president of the United States, he's got a whole other top-down approach. But is there is there something in the middle between that where organizational change is possible to make health care better? Well, I think a lot of it derives from the, the current payment system, which uh, pays physicians to do more rather than paying them to do better. And the um, a current fee-for-service structure in many cases doesn't pay for care that can help patients um, stay out of the hospital, stay well. Um, and um, uh, what we really try, are trying to do nationally is to find a way to fix that. And so discussions about how to change the delivery system and to create accountable care organizations really depend on an ability to change the payment structure to be able to reward that better kind of care rather than to penalize it. You threw out a term that's probably central to this, accountable care organizations. What what does that entail? Well, an accountable care organization is something that's in the process of becoming right now. The basic idea is a group of health care providers, doctors, nurses, uh, hospital staff, who uh, can figure out how to deliver good quality health care to a group of patients at a lower total cost than is being done today. And that really requires, in many cases, rearranging uh, the way care is delivered so that it's more coordinated, eliminating duplication and unnecessary services, and then having uh, a different payment model that actually supports that um, and doesn't penalize people for uh, doing less when you don't need to do more. Our current health care system, I think some people think we have the best health care imaginable right now. And they don't want to lose it. Does our healthcare system have those kinds of strengths? In 
many ways, if you look at every individual health care service that gets delivered, it's really, in most cases, outstanding. Um, so um, if you have a knee replaced, um, you know, it's done with the best technology in the world by really excellent surgeons in most cases. If you have heart surgery, heart transplants, the problem is that the individual services don't get put together in a comprehensive package in a way that is really good for you as a, uh, as a patient. It would be a little bit like uh, uh, saying that if you wanted to have an automobile, um, that you're going to drive down the road 60 miles an hour and be safe, that uh, you couldn't actually buy a whole automobile. You'd have to go buy your own engine and your own transmission and your own steering wheel and put it all together and somehow hope that all the parts work together in a way that they won't fall apart when you're going down the road at 60 miles an hour. And that's a little bit like the way the healthcare system is today in that you can get really good uh, individual services from individual physicians, but it doesn't always get put together in a coordinated package that uh, ends up with the best overall outcome for you, the patient. That is a wonderful analogy. That is so scary. Um, Even while, I mean, you can get the best engines in the world, you get the best transmissions, but you got to make sure you got to put it together yourself and make sure you're getting all the right pieces and no one's coordinating it and it's not done for you. That is a, a very right. scary thing. And today, thought. I mean, you can hold the car company accountable. The car company gives you a warranty on the product and is accountable for the fact that cars don't fall apart when they're going 60 miles an hour. But today there's nobody really who's accountable for making sure all those parts work together. And if you have two separate specialists, each of whom is focusing on one particular thing that's wrong with you, they may be prescribing, for example, medications that individually are good for those individual conditions, but don't realize that they're independently looking at those uh, conditions and are prescribing you two medications that may interact in undesirable ways. Uh, And that's, again, because nobody is making sure that all the pieces work together very effectively. You're the executive director of the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. What what does the center do and and how how is it working towards addressing this issue? Well, it was formed really to try to uh, uh, find some solutions to the problems that we have with the current payment system but to do it in a way that would be tailored to the unique needs and capabilities of different communities around the country. Uh, Because every region in the country is structured differently. In some places, physicians primarily practice in small independent practices. In other places, they are part of large group practices. In some places, there are uh, large local health plans. In other cases, there are um, uh, small local plans. In other places, there are mostly national health plans, et cetera, et cetera. And so there is really no one-size-fits-all solution that you can put in place. Um, so many people, for example, will point to a very visible, large, integrated system like a Geisinger uh, health system in Pennsylvania or a Mayo Clinic and say, they're doing a really good job, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is something that you could easily transplant to a community that doesn't have one of those. Um, and there's other situations where today where there are small independent physician practices working together 
to change the way that they deliver care. But in order to do that, they need to be paid differently than a large integrated uh, health system could do. So what the center is really about is to try to help find what I think of as transitional payment systems and transitions in healthcare delivery that enable physicians and hospitals to be able to uh, evolve uh, at a f- feasible uh, speed from their the current fragmented fee-for-service structure to a more coordinated, comprehensive, and accountable care structure, um, but uh, not to expect that people are going to be able to do it overnight. When it comes to the payment issues, I've had the sense that Unlike almost anything else we buy, the fact that a third party is in, often paying for our health care is what really makes the, the the payment system so biased and screwed up. So that, I mean, if, if I were um, buying a television set, I look for the quality I'm looking for and I comparison shop and I'm paying the money out of my pocket, and I, the, the prices just keep coming down and lower and lower. When I look at health care, the insurance company's paying for it, so I may look for the absolute best I can possibly get and not care a lick about the cost, uh, or, or nearly not at all, and the, and the prices don't seem to come down. Now, which your, your car analogy suggests that maybe it's not just that kind of pricing problem with our system. But um, once you have some accountable care organization and they're making the buying decisions for you, the patient, um, isn't that just another word for rationing? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, but I wouldn't say that the accountable care organization is making the buying decisions for you because you're also making a choice about which accountable care organization to use in the same way that today you make a choice about which car you buy um, based on the warranty that they offer, the performance that they offer, et cetera. The big difference in many ways uh, between uh, what works in buying cars and what happens in healthcare today is uh, not that somebody else is paying per se, but that somebody else, but that the consumer is not responsible for the differences in prices. So today, for example, if I said if you had auto purchase insurance rather than health insurance, and I said, you know, everybody needs a car, so you've been uh, paying to make sure that whenever point you need a new car, uh, you can get one, and the time comes you need a new car. And I said, here's, here's your two choices, Hyundai and the Lexus. And the Hyundai is uh, both of the cars have good warranties. They have good crash ratings. They're both high-quality products. The one car costs $20,000. The other car costs $60,000. Which car do you want? I want the $60,000 Lexus. You want the $60,000 car if it's getting paid 100%. And yeah. even if I say to you, there's a $1,000 copay on the car, which car do you pick? Well, you're going to pick the Lexus because you're going to get the, you know a $60,000 car for $1,000. If I had $1,000 lying around, yeah. If you, right. If you had a 10% co-insurance on that, um, the Lexus is now more. So the Hyundai would cost you, say, $2,000 versus the Lexus would cost $6,000. But you'd say, wow, only $4,000 more for the Lexus. If you have a high deductible auto insurance, auto purchase policy that says you have to pay $10,000 before anything is covered, you'd look at the two of them and say, okay, $10,000 for each of them, but then I'll pick the Lexus. 
But what would make the difference and what happens today is that if your insurance company could say, I'll pay $20,000 and you can, because we know that you can get a good car for $20,000. If you want the $60,000 car and you think it's worth $40,000 more, then you should pay the $40,000. Oh, that does and, sound like rationing. Uh, well, not I mean, at all, because today the, the situation in many communities is that there may be one hospital that is, uh, uh, does a knee replacement for $20,000 and one hospital that will charge for the exact same knee operation $40,000. And they might both have the same quality, or the, the lower-priced hospital might be um, uh, even better quality. But today, there is no incentive for you to pick the lower-cost hospital because your insurance will typically pay almost all of the price regardless of which hospital you go to. So if, in fact, there were, was an incentive for people to say where there are two hospitals and where there are two surgeries that are of equivalent quality, that you will save money, you, the patient, will save money by going to the cheaper hospital, it would be a much stronger incentive for hospitals to find ways to lower their costs than what exists today. At some point, it seems to me that somebody has to make the decision as to whether something's going to get paid for or not. And you've given an example where the two things are exactly the same. But let's say there's a cancer treatment and somebody's got a cancer and the choices are you can have this $20,000 approach or this $200,000 approach. Um, are we going to leave it in the hands of the insurance company to decide that for us, the accountable care well, first organization? Of all, I think that there are huge opportunities to save money in health care without a hint of rationing. And everybody immediately wants to talk about whether people should be able to get certain kinds of expensive treatment. But the truth is that there are tremendous opportunities for health prevention and promotion so that if we keep people from getting sick in the first place, there's no health care costs. There are huge opportunities to be able to help people with chronic diseases be able to manage their uh, health conditions better so that they don't have to be hospitalized or go to the emergency room as often, which saves a huge amount of money. There are um, uh, high rates of infections in hospitals, complications, people being readmitted to the hospital one out of every five times. Um, and uh, uh, preventing those infections and complications and reducing those readmissions would save a huge amount of money. And I think that uh, most patients would say that if what we're trying to do in healthcare is to keep them well, make sure that they don't have to go to the hospital if they don't need to, and that they have a good outcome in the hospital, uh, they would be happy with that. And that will save literally tens of billions of dollars nationally. And long before we ever have to talk about whether somebody should get a certain cancer treatment or not, we should be focusing on saving money on those things that are both good for patients as well as saving money for uh, Medicare and health plans. You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Fellman. We're speaking today with Harold Miller, Executive Director of the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. Well, Harold, you've listed some low-hanging fruit, and I get the sense that everybody would agree, yeah, we should save the money on those low-hanging fruit items. But then it seems like, in addition to that, you're saying the system is screwed up. We need global changes that put the the payment and incentive structure more in line. And I, I, I certainly would agree with you about that if that's what you're saying. I guess the question, though, is... If we do that, do we run the risk of, and you framed it so well, of affecting the 
every individual service and making any of our individual services less effective than they are now? Um, I think it's exactly the opposite. So, for example, if you look at the Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania, uh, several years ago they instituted a program called Proven Care. Um, uh, what it actually is is it's health care with a warranty. And so for they started with cardiac bypass surgery, and they have been systematically expanding this to a whole variety of different uh, procedures. And they said that instead of charging separately for every individual service and started, instead of charging more for infections and complications, they were going to charge a single price uh, for everything that happened within 90 days, including any complications or uh, readmissions that were related to that surgery or procedure. And uh, once they did that, they were able then to put in place um, some fairly dramatic process reengineering that has enabled them in very short order within 18 months to uh, see 20, 40, 60% reductions in infections and complications and readmissions. And it, as a result, it's better care for the patient at lower overall cost, which is a win-win-win for everybody. Um, they're able to uh, uh, basically make more money uh, uh, doing it that way. The patients get better care, and the payer pays less. And that's really what the opportunity is by cha both changing payment and changing delivery. Both things have to go hand in hand because you can't change the way you deliver care if the payment system penalizes you. But merely changing payment doesn't give better care to patients that the provider has to be willing to re-engineer the way they deliver care. And if those two things can go forward hand in hand, we could really see a dramatic way um, uh, to improve care. And without having to deny anybody anything or to give them something that's cheaper or lower quality, um, I think most patients would be happy to not be getting infections in the hospital anymore or having to go back 20% um, of the time. 20 or 30, maybe even more years ago, health maintenance organizations were created and if I'm not mistaken, they were created based on this philosophy that if you give the organization a, a set amount of money, they're going to be incentivized to keep you well, to take care of you in the best possible way at the lowest possible cost. On the other hand, it, it seemed like, at least in some ways, perhaps just anecdotally, when you pay a set amount to an organization like that, then if they're trying to maximize their profits, they're actually incentivized to give you the least possible care. How is what you're suggesting different from the, that HMO concept? Well, it's different in a couple of ways. Um, some uh, health maintenance organizations actually were health providers, but uh, most of them became health plans, separate insurance companies that actually didn't deliver care themselves. They uh, were called themselves HMOs. They took uh, the premium dollars, and then they turned around and contracted with uh, hospitals and physicians, uh, in many cases paying the exact same way that um, uh, people are paid today, uh, fee-for-service, and somehow then expected that the insurance plan was going to manage those doctors and hospitals, uh, which in many cases did mean denying care or trying to underpay them for care. 
the successful HMOs, uh, which have persisted, uh, like uh, Kaiser Permanente and Group Health and some others, are ones that are fundamentally uh, providers at heart. They're uh, physicians uh, at heart who are um, uh, changing the way they are paid so that they can manage and deliver care better. So I think that's one of the fundamental differences between HMOs of the past and the ACO, Accountable Care Organization of today, is the idea is that uh, physicians should be in the driver's seat, not health plan executives. I think the other uh, difference is that um, uh, many HMOs, a patient was uh, locked in to a particular subset of providers, whether they were physicians or hospitals, whether they were the best or not. And um, the, uh, the model that many people are trying to pursue today would uh, remove that restriction and have the physicians and the hospitals have to demonstrate that they are providing higher quality uh, care uh, in order to be able to keep patients rather than having um, uh, the, the patients restricted in some fashion and forced to use those providers. And, and in that model, then uh, there actually is a, a competitive pressure for physicians and hospitals to be not only lower cost, but also higher quality so that they can keep uh, patients within uh, their patient populations and be able to do better. So that's a, that's, those are the two major differences, I think, between what we're trying to pursue today and the failed experiments of the 1990s. I want to make sure I get this clear because I like the idea that if you you put the doctors in charge, then 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 the doctors are going to do right by patients. But we sort of have that in the fee for service model. I mean, we're saying to the doctors, "Listen, you could make more if you do more, but we trust your judgment. You wouldn't do that." So now we're switching and saying, "Well, we're going to we're going to restructure things. We'll leave you doctors in charge, but." Um, you'll make more money when you give less care, but we trust your judgment you wouldn't do that. Well, two things. One is under fee-for-service. The problem is that the only way to reduce costs is to keep uh, driving the fee levels down lower and lower, which is what a lot of health plans would do, have done, which puts physicians in the situation where it's literally impossible for them to deliver uh, good quality care um, and they still they actually get penalized whenever they don't give a service to someone that they don't need. So patients who wonder, why is it the doctor can't spend any time with me? Why do they rush into the examining room, ask me one question, and leave? Well, that's because that's the way the fee-for-service structure is uh, designed right now, is that physicians get paid uh, an amount that forces them to see an extraordinary number of patients during the day simply to be able to generate enough revenues to pay the bills. So changing the payment structure helps to avoid that problem. The other thing that's different today about the past is that we have much better ways of actually measuring the quality of care that's delivered. Now, it's by no means perfect. It has a long way to go. But in the 1990s, for example, there really was no uh, good way to measure the quality of care. So um, some physicians might uh, have the incentive to reduce costs by reducing quality. We have some um, uh, much greater ability to protect against that today, and a lot of the uh, new payment models that are being implemented have a very explicit uh, requirement that the physician has to uh, maintain or improve quality in order to be able to be paid the way they're paid or be able to achieve bonuses.
One of the things I found impressive um, about the idea of, of regional cooperation was identifying all the different players who have a stake in things and trying to coordinate them. Is that being done outside of these accountable care organizations, or is that the only way to achieve this aim? Well, there's a couple different levels of activity. So the accountable care organization is something where physicians and uh, primary care physicians and specialists and hospitals coordinate their efforts. But at the broader community level, there has to be uh, another even higher level of coordination because there are uh, multiple health plans in any given community. And if that accountable care organization is getting paid the right way by only a subset of those health plans, but is being paid in the old uh, problematic fee-for-service mode by other health plans, it's very difficult for the physicians and hospitals to change the way they deliver care. It sort of creates a schizophrenia, okay? If I treat patients the right way, I'll be rewarded by some payers, I'll be penalized by other payers, and vice versa. So uh, communities really need mechanisms of being able to get all the payers uh, to come together and agree to uh, change the way they pay uh, at the same time, in the same way. doesn't mean they have to pay the same amount, but it has to mean that they're all going to move to a new payment system, which then enables the uh, doctors and hospitals to change the way they deliver care. There's also um, uh, changes that need to be made for uh, employees. Employers in the community need to adjust what's called the benefit design in employees' health plans. So, for example, um, uh, uh, chronic disease patients I mentioned earlier who you can help stay out of the hospital with appropriate uh, uh, primary care and support from specialists uh, it only goes so far if those patients can't afford their medications because one of the major ways that chronic disease patients can stay out of the hospital is being prescribed the right medications, being able to afford those medications, and taking those medications reliably. And if patients face high copayments or if they're on Medicare and they're in the donut hole, they may literally not be able to afford the medications that will keep them well. And it doesn't matter how you're paying a physician or a hospital um, uh, for that because they can't, they can't control what it costs a patient to pay for their drugs. So employers and Medicare have to be able and willing to change the benefit structure for employees so that uh, they can get the appropriate support that they need. So all those pieces have to come together, and all of those are really community-level decisions. Um, nobody in Washington controls what all private health plans do. Nobody in Washington controls what all private employers do. Those are uh, community uh, decisions that have to be made in a cooperative fashion. The... Um Geisinger care approach sounded like, in many ways, the ideal coordinated system. Would it make sense to take those folks at Geisinger and just move them to Washington and put them in charge of a single health system for the entire United States or perhaps divide them up into three separate companies that competed with each other so that people had a choice and, um, and move towards a, a, a single unified system for the entire country? Well, first of all, one of the folks from Geisinger, the fellow who used to run the Geisinger Health Plan, actually is in Washington now working uh, at uh, uh, Medicare, helping to try to come up with innovative payment approaches. But 
Um, I don't think anybody really believes that having just one single health plan solves the problem. Um, uh, if it did, we wouldn't be trying to fix Medicare because Medicare is, in a sense, the single payer for uh, senior citizens. And but, it is- but, but it's just a single payer. It's not a coordinated system. It's fee-for-service and has all the problems that you described earlier. But if we made Medicare into one giant HMO run by doctors like the Geisinger plan, would that solve the issue? Um, well, it, we hopefully will actually get Medicare to be able to move in that direction. But the question becomes, is that something that should be done for every single uh, patient? and uh, Or do you want to assume that whatever single payer you have, Medicare or otherwise, actually will come up with the right approach. Um, today, there's at least a choice that patients have to be able to move to a different health plan. And so if a health plan doesn't want to pay doctors in the right way, one solution is for patients to switch and for employers to switch their health plan. And many communities, that's exactly what's happening today, is that employers are talking to health plans about the need to change the way they pay, and those health plans that are not willing to do that are at risk of losing their employers and their members. So that choice does provide some advantages in being able to move people to a more innovative system. Harold, do you have any final suggestions for our listeners on how to improve their health care or our health care system? Well, I think it's very important right now for everybody to become informed about these uh, different payment and delivery models um, and to uh, help uh, try to support them moving in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. It's particularly important for consumers, I think, to understand the kind of role that they need to start playing, that they need to become uh, more aware of the quality and the cost of the health care that they provide. I think it's important for physicians to understand that these payment models can actually be beneficial for them in being able to do the kind of high-quality medical care that they were trained to do. And if everybody starts looking for the opportunities in the system and designs them to be able to achieve that, I think that we actually can achieve the promise of higher-quality, lower-cost health care. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. The current payment system for health care in the United States it's a little screwy. Harold Miller says that it's screwy because we're paying doctors, the healthcare professionals, to, uh, to to do more things, even if they're not needed. I, I think it's screwy in the sense that uh, people don't pay for healthcare themselves, so they're insulated from the uh, decisions uh, that they're making. They're insulated from the the cost implications of those decisions. I think uh, we've been living this way for so long, I'm not sure many people feel comfortable taking responsibility. But uh, moving forward, if we're going to bring costs down without fear that somebody is you know, going to give us less care because it's less costly, we're going to have to be making those decisions or at least more involved in those decisions ourselves. I think uh, Harold's analogy of the car illustrates different aspects of the problem, especially with coordination of care. I mean, it's silly, the idea that you would, you know, pick all the different parts and have to put the car together yourself and hope that everything's doing right when it's your life's at stake. And that is, in some ways, what our system is like. But 
that analogy assumed that you could, you know, pick the best engine and have it be a low-cost item. The, part of the problem is today because people don't face the cost of, uh, of their decisions that – that engine, which may only be worth a few hundred dollars, may, people may be charging $10,000 for it. And since the insurance company is paying for it, nobody has a problem, paying, you know, buying that engine. Well, we'll see. You know, if we end up with a more coordinated system managing our care, that system's going to be very different from the non-healthcare system that we have today. Probably in some ways better, possibly in some ways not as good, but certainly uh, very different than it is today. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next week, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com. DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.